Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're moving right along in the 20th parak. Parak Chof of Mishnah is Shabbos. Mishnah Hey, finishing the parak and moving on to Parak Chof Aleph, Mishnah Aleph. Quick housekeeping. I heard some feedback that my mic has become a little echoey and staticky. So have no fear. I ordered a new microphone and please God, it should come by the end of the week and we'll go back to hearing the crisp and beautiful sound of Mishnayos. But... For now, we're going to have to deal with this microphone, and let's continue learning our discussion of muksa. We were dealing previously with the laws of muksa in regards to animal food and food, and trying to figure out exactly what can be moved, what cannot be moved, and now we're going to move on to straw. Now, the regular and ordinary use of straw was for kindling, as in it was designated for kindling to be used to for your fire, and that's obviously not permitted on Shabbos, thus you have no real usage for straw on Shabbos, so it's designated as muksa, it's considered muksa. Our mission is now going to deal with that the, at the end of the day, however, straw is a versatile item, and what if you're going to use it for something other than a forbidden Shabbos usage? Says our Mishnah, um, If you have straw on your bed, and you want to fluff it up in order to make it softer, make it more comfortable to lie on, you cannot use your hand to move it, because that it's muksa, and using your hand to move it is you're moving muksa. So what happens if you want to make it soft, make it more comfortable? When you lay down on it, you can shift yourself around in order to make it, to flatten it out, smooth it out, and make it more comfortable. And that's permitted because it's an indirect, unusual, abnormal manner of moving things. And therefore, there's no prohibition of muksa, of moving an item in that way. However, but if this straw, before Shabbos began, was designated as straw as straw for animal as animal food and as we said you know migutis gatsai we discussed that in our in our longer shear but assuming an erev shabbos you designated for a permitted permitted shabbos usage such as animal food kar osadin or if you placed a pillow or sheets on this straw thus indicating that you plan on using it as a mattress and not for kindling manabiyado so then it's not it's, it's it, because it was designated for permissible use it's not muksin you can move it however you wish in order to fluff it up okay ad khan that concludes the first part of this mishnah part two of this mishnah is now going to deal with the following contraption in order to press one's clothing in order to make sure the creases are nice and sharp looking um, or if you want to get rid of creases and make a, a clothing look nice and flat and smooth how, how would you do so? So they, they had this contraption where you have a board and you lay the clothing on this board and then you place a very much heavier board on top of that and the pressure from the, from the board on top going on, uh, on top of the clothing, which is now on, 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 uh, laying on the lower board, will smooth out all the creases. But in order to ensure that you really it's, it's really going to weigh down heavily and smooth out all the creases, they wouldn't just place the board on top and use weight alone in order to smooth out the creases, but they would insert insert poles on all four corners of the boards, and then they would put the board, run the uh, run the poles through the board, so you can, if you can have a picture for a moment, imagine you have two boards touching each, on top of each other, and you have poles, holes that are bored in all four corners, and poles going through them, and then they would take pegs and insert it in the poles horizontally, thus really locking the boards into place. If it's hard to look to picture it, you can you can you can go and uh, Google it, look in the art school for a, a nice picture. But it suffices it to say what you have here is two boards, and then you are locking the boards in place using some sort of peg. That's what we need to know at least for our Mishnah. So the problem is, the question is, is how much of this is permitted on Shabbos? 
the the Mishnah tells us that assuming an Erev Shabbos, you put this whole contraption together and your clothes are, are being pressed between these two boards and it's locked into place using the pegs, you're allowed to open it on Shabbos. Avlo Kovshin. But you're not allowed to press the garments on Shabbos. As in, you're not allowed to put car- uh, your garments into this uh, into this press and then insert the pegs because it's going to it's going to take time in order for these clothing to get smoothed out, and it's going to only be ready once Shabbos ends. So what you're effectively doing is, if you insert clothing, you put clothing in this on Shabbos, you're preparing for after Shabbos. Thus, it's forbidden. But on Shabbos, you're allowed to remove the pegs take out the clothing because that's a Shabbos usage. It's not a problem. However, but if you're using a professional press, one that the launderers used, then it's forbidden to, to remove the pegs. You're not allowed to touch it. And why is that? So the Mishnah is informing us that we, we know this is true in, in terms of even if you look at utensils in our own house, the difference between a professional item and a non-professional item is how well it's done. So the one people typically had in their house, it pressed it, it did a decent job. However, the ones that were the launderers used, a professional uh, householder's press, it w- was so tightly, it was so tight, the two boards were pressed into each other so tightly that when you remove the peg, it actually resembles demolishing saucer. That's how tightly it's pressed in together. So the Mishnah is making a distinction between uh, uh, one, a, a press that people use in their homes versus a professional press, whereas the, prof- whereas the one used in their homes, it did a decent job, but ultimately it didn't press it so tightly. Therefore, one can undo it on Shabbos. A professional press is put in so tightly, and then the peg is stuck in there so well, removing it's almost like taking a nail out, it's demolishing, and therefore one's not allowed to take out and even touch this press on Shabbos because it's muksa. Rehud Omer, Rehud disagrees, or doesn't disagree, he qualifies, and he says, but if the launderer's press, therefore, if the whole issue with the launderer's press, of the, the official, the professional press, is that it's in there so tightly, so if an error of Shabbos, you partially open it, i.e., it's, it's already loosened, and it's not in so tightly, you're allowed to then completely open it on Shabbos, remove your garments, because then it's not resembling so, sir, demolishing, because again, by the time Shabbos, when Shabbos began, you already loosened it a lot, and therefore, it's not fully demolishing, or it's not demolishing, it's not a problem. This is the Mishnah. So just a quick review, because there, there was two components of this Mishnah, so we just remember it. Part one was talking about straw. Straw, although it's versatile and can be used for multiple things, typically it's designated really just for, for kindling, and therefore it's muksa. and the only way to move it, if you want to use it for your, if you put, it's on your bed, is, is a kliachayad, is, is, uh, is to move in a funny way in order to smooth it out. But if it's designated for permissive, permissible use, so then it's not muksa. And part two of the Mishnah was a launderer's press. If it's a professional press, then we assume that that the, the pegs are in so tight that to remove a peg is like taking a nail out or unscrewing a screw, and that would be demolishing. But if it's not in so tightly, so then it's not demolishing, it's not a problem, and it's just like the, the, the press you might find in a typical home where where it's not a problem to remove it on the Shabbos. However, one's not allowed to put clothes in on Shabbos because that would be preparing for after Shabbos. Okay, Mishnah Aleph of Perak Chaf Aleph. And this Perak, we're going to start dealing with Kliach Hayad, so, uh, a topic and an idea we alluded to, and that's moving things, but not doing it in, in, in a direct way, as an in indirect moving, and what are the parameters when it comes to the laws of Muksa. So, the first opening case is, you have a kid, and my kids do this all the time, they pick up a rock, 
And that rock becomes like their pet rock. For my children, they will take it everywhere. It's like the most important thing to them. I can go out and literally buy the most expensive, beautiful, amazing toy, and all they want to play with is the rock they find outside when I take them to play with their new bicycle. Okay, so a kid has a rock, and the father wants to pick the kid up. However, what's the problem here? The problem is that by picking up the kid, you're also moving the rock that the child is holding. Our Mishnah tells us, A person is, in fact, allowed to move his son, even though the child is holding the rock. Why is this true? So it's interesting, not because you're indirectly moving the rock, as in you're moving your kid and your kid's carrying the rock, but rather because the concern is, and the Tosas Yonto says, if you take the rock from your kid's hand, what's the kid going to do? He's going to throw a tantrum, he's going to cry, he's going to scream, and therefore, because we don't want that to happen, we allow you to move your kid who's holding the rock in order to prevent him from screaming, which is fascinating on multiple levels, but one of them is going to be from the halachic perspective of why is this not considered kliyach yad, tilt him in side, excuse me, why is this not considered moving an item in an indirect fashion, as in you're moving a kid and the kid happens to be holding the rock. So the answer is that it's only considered tilted at side and moving things in an indirect way when really you don't plan on actually moving the item, as in you're carrying, see you're carrying a basket and perhaps in the basket is a muksa item. But here you want the item in your child's hand because if you know what's going to happen if your child loses his most precious rock. He's going to scream and yell and throw a tantrum and then you're going to look, look, look like the worst parent ever. So you want your kid to have the rock. Now once you want your kid to have the rock, so if you move your kid, it's really you moving the rock as well. Therefore, what's the hector? What's the dispensation to allow you to move this rock? The answer is because the kid is holding it in his hand and you don't want him to scream and yell. The A person may move a basket with a stone inside, assuming that the stone is needed for the basket because your basket has a hole in it, so you put the stone in there to serve a purpose. Lastly, the last part is Truma Tamea, Truma that is impure, there's no use for it, you have to burn it, you're not allowed to burn it on Shabbos, obviously. Therefore, it's considered, it's muksa on Shabbos because there is no use for it, it's Tamei, and, no, and no one can do anything with it. However, if it's together in the same basket with Tar Truma, which could be consumed, or Chulin, which is non-sacred food, then you're allowed to move it because it's, it's considered insignificant with respect to the other foods. Lastly, or Yehuda Omer, Af Malin Samadoma Be'echadumeya. So here is, uh, I know we're, we got a little, a little long today, but very quickly, Madam, we discussed a lot when we learned Zrayim together. Madam is when you have a mixture that has Truma in it and it has non-Truma in it, has Chulin in it. And Rabbi Yehuda says that although normally, ordinarily, one is not allowed to metakin produce on Shabbos, one is not allowed to remove um, remove truma or maestros or do any other take any of the tithes on Shabbos because that it looks like you're metakin, it looks like you're fixing this food. One moment ago it was not permitted to you, now it's permitted. You fix the food. However, when it comes to medame, when it comes to a forbidden mixture, meaning it's the mixture is forbidden because there is truma mixed into it, one is allowed to fix it on Shabbos, and the reason is because that fixing can actually take place in your mind. You don't physically have to go in there and remove an apple from the from the mixture and say, this apple's the truma, but rather you say, there's, it's very possible in here there's truma, it's all mixed up. In my mind, I'm designating one-tenth of this to be truma for the part that is the truma, as in, 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 in for the, uh, to compensate for whatever truma got mixed in there. So because you could do it with your mind, therefore, we, he, there will be, Huda allows you to, to uh, myelin to remove the truma portion from this mixture. Now, if you're thinking quickly, you'll say, one well, minute, you're also allowed to designate truma, real truma with your mind. And the answer is going to be that repairing or taking truma from actual tevil, 
when it's actual bona fide tevel, so that's really fixing something, so even, the, the rabbis even forbade one to do it with their mind, but taking truma from madame, when you're just removing the truma from chulin, when it's all fixed already, just it got mixed up, that's not actually fixing it, you're just, it's, it's, or, or it's fixed on a lesser level, and therefore they permit it, or Yehuda permits you to do so on Shabbos, if you designate it with your mind. I wish you all a wonderful day.